0: I felt I've started to, um, like see myself as like the culmination Mm. of them and not an obligation to them. Mm. I can be a joyful culmination that takes responsibility, right? So it's not that there's no obligation for my people and our work for sure, right? Like, so equity at the center of our work, like I feel like I have an obligation, well to all people, but certainly to, to my people, but there was just a little tiny bit of heaviness in that obligation, that recently I was like, oh, I actually don't have to carry that. I can see myself as a culmination without the obligation and trust, trust myself without obligation to do what's right. This is Find Me Outside, the podcast. I'm Tuesday Reinhart. And I'm Tim Merry. This week on the podcast, we continue what we started at the last episode talking about our ancestors. And this time we get to talk about mine.
1: That's right. we dug into mine last time now we're gonna dig into yours choose
0: so much fun didn't you have a great time last time tim
1: i did you know like it it it, it's funny because like talking about your ancestors of course reveals things about yourself doesn't it you know what i mean and uh and so it's like uh it's it's a it's a powerful thing to do because it's revealing of your heritage and your lineage but also yourself and how you relate to your ancestors and you know what you're choosing to inherit and pick up and what you're choosing to let go and move on from
0: so what was that like for you sharing about that I mean like that when you say it like that uh, I I, I start to feel a little nervous and also just curious <laughs> how it yeah, was no, for you
1: yeah yeah no pressure yeah 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 and I've, I've gone back and significantly edited our last podcast without you oh. knowing oh uh, yeah just like... <laughs> Removed major bits where I felt significantly self-conscious. No, no, it was great. I mean, you, you, it's just one of those. And and I think for me, and I, I think it's true for you too, because you said you're coming in with like insights literally from last weekend. You know, so no, it was for me. It's like a lot of it's very fresh, right? You know, I was yeah. telling experiences that were very fresh, and and so we were just broadcasting something live that was fresh and vulnerable and not like something I'd said a hundred times places. So felt like I had a good narrative or script to bring it was just like this is what I got and it's pretty raw and so that's always slightly more vulnerable so when you look back you're like oh did I do okay was that all right and uh, mm. and then and then it just is you know and and uh, and I hope people will continue listening and continue hearing us as our thoughts and our learnings evolve over time as well
0: yeah and thank you for naming that vulnerability I think uh, I think it's accurate and I think it's worth being a bit explicit about Right. We talk yeah. about vulnerability in our work, and of course, vulnerability is kind of the word in leadership circles right now. And people are talking about vulnerability this and vulnerability that, and um, and so it feels like something that we're seeking and that we know that we need as a people. When I say we, I mean as people. We kind of know we need more vulnerability, yeah. And yet, I don't know about you. Even though this is my bread and butter, there's still I can still find all of the ways that I kind of keep myself from being vulnerable. And this podcast being being not rehearsed, right? Not scripted is kind of on air vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. you know, it's a way of walking our talk and that can be a little daunting sometimes. So yeah, I appreciate your explicitness about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, it's like, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to bring people into conversations that we're having with each other so they can enter into conversations with others and with themselves. And, uh, and so like, I think, I think we'd be kind of, full of it if we weren't able to practice it is it is it Brené Brown Brené Brown yeah she does all this incredible work around vulnerability oh, doesn't she and yeah and, and so I think if, if, if folks are looking to looking to get into the world of vulnerability and understand that Brené Brown has some uh, pr- pretty incredible uh, just if you just googled her some of her TED talks around vulnerability are really quite remarkable
0: yeah, she's got great TED talk. She's got a couple of great books. She just did a, she just released another book. I'm sure that we can link in the show notes. I mean, just brand new. I mean, she's amazing, and she's a social worker, just by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just saying, you know, social workers do good things in the world. And uh, yeah, she's kind of taken the world by storm. And and I think it's primarily because she's led with her vulnerability. When you hear her speaking, there's nothing about her um, that doesn't admit where she is vulnerable and doesn't kind of fully own that it's like an amazing part of both uh lends her credibility and expertise but also lends her an incredible amount of charm right she's just kind of a charming person because she's just who she is and she's real so
1: well there's there's something about uh, vulnerability that's just authentic right you're you're revealing something of yourself which which invites others to do the same so let's go there a little bit then so so uh, ancestors you know yeah. so um you and i have very different ancestors in some yeah. ways you know in, in many ways in fact i in would say uh, yeah yeah who know i mean in all ways
0: well i mean i feel like you just told me yesterday that you could you know get your lineage to robert the bruce I feel like, yeah, pretty much in all ways, our lineage is going to be different.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like the family Bible thing from my grandfather's family Bible where it's like written in pen all the way back to Robert the Bruce. Yeah. I mean, so anyone could be, I mean, you probably are related to Robert the Bruce, to be honest, you know, that probably not. Well,
0: eh? maybe, I feel like maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel feel like maybe not, but it is worth naming. Pat,
1: Pat Ryan might have a direct connection to Robert the Bruce, you know.
0: Patricia Catherine Ryan, she may. You know? She absolutely may. Um, I don't know what the mixing was like in those times, but it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> but I feel go. really clear that none of my family came from nobility, or at least not a nobility that um, that we could use a family Bible to trace back. So just to be uh, clear, right? So my my ancestry, um, my mother is Irish and Czech. Um and my father is African American, right? So, and that's primarily the ancestry I'm going to talk about today. Um, though I think it's important to say that on both sides of the family, certainly we can only know back so far with my father's side because of the enslavement of African peoples and just like the complete tearing away of um, our lineages from us. Mm. I think it's safe to say at least in this country and certainly in the countries that we know from my mother's ancestry, not one of us had wealth or resources or um, access to power in significant ways that we talk about today. And so I think that's why in some ways I can look back on my lineage like face full on and feel unafraid and feel um, only pride. If I think about my ancestors all the way up through my grandfather on the African side, like I only look back and feel pride. I only look back and feel awe. I only look back and even knowing, because of course, family of origin, like I still have family of origin of issues, origin issues, right? You know what I mean? Like it's not like your ancestors had this kind of victimization that they survived. And, and so that doesn't always end up being beautiful behavior in families. Just by the way, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's kind of like you can writ large You can feel the pride. And then, but there is also in the smaller family of orange dynamics, you can still find that um, legacy of brutality and hardship and survivorship. And that's not always beautiful. But I get to kind of backdrop it against this larger kind of historical context. And so when you, I, I don't know if you recall, but this whole thing started because you sent me a text mm-hmm. saying, Hey, I think we should do a podcast on ancestors. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And you were like, you were something about blame. And I was like, what?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> who, who, who bears the blame?
0: And I, and that just didn't, I was like, Oh, we have to talk about this because that's not how it is for me at all. When I think about my ancestors, it really is with a sense of pride and awe and legacy because I'm not facing, as far as I know, right? As far as I know, my ancestors weren't involved in the enslaving of other people, right? They weren't involved in the um, direct oppression of other groups of people, right? Not, that, not to say that they weren't oppressive in their families or in early, I, I also don't want to paint kind of a mythic picture, mm-hmm. right? So or before, before we have recorded history, I've no doubt, right? That all sorts of people were oppressing and hurting others. I just don't have access to that history right. as obviously.
1: Well, I've got I've got like three questions already.
0: Go ahead, good. Because I thought when when we talked about doing my ancestry, I was like, what am I gonna say? Except for yep, they're awesome. I just try to live up to them every day. They've given me this huge gift. What am um, I gonna waste? So. so
1: so so three things. One yeah. is what is the source of pride and awe?
0: Mm, the, okay. The, yeah. The
1: other question is, um, what do you mean by the legacy of brutality? Like, just mm-hmm. bring that, bring just bring that down to earth, both as yeah. an, either as an analysis or an experience. And then the last piece, and this is really intriguing for me, is what is it like to have no written history? What is it? You know, oh, like my yeah. family. I mean, just being English. Yeah. Like my, you know, my history. I've got. I, I, you know, I grew up touching stones that were put there ten thousand years ago. And, um, you know, uh, so uh, and that was a formative part of being a young kid growing up in England. Like you're just surrounded by the history of your people. And so, um, you know, indigenous, yeah. indigenous white man in his indigenous land. Right. Yeah. And so uh, so I just th- those three, where does the pride and all come? What When you talk about the legacy of brutality, just take us a bit into that. And then what's it like to. Uh, not have a historical context.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the pride and awe, um, comes from understanding our survivorship and understanding, um, the enslavement of my people and 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 what it took to uh, not even mentally, emotionally, and spiritually survive, but simply to physically survive mm-hmm. being taken. Um, from our lands, from our homes, and you know, stacked like wood in the bottom of ships. If you, ships, if you look, if you look at anything about the Middle Passage, something wild. And I'm not a history person, so just bear with me. But something wild, like two thirds of us died coming over on the boats before we even got here. And then once we got here, there was a process called seasoning, where we were made made ready to be enslaved, right? And that was an incredibly brutal process of of, you know, all of the things one would do to terrorize people into submission and subjugation and physically and emotionally and spiritually. And our, you know, our faith, our faiths, our ways of uh, worshiping were taken from us until we became workers, right? Brutalized into becoming workers. And so there is something, if I just would even speak physically about surviving to the state, And then once even, you know, then once slavery was done, right? Jim Crow and sharecropping. And still, I mean, still Tim, this is not, I mean, it is of course, uh, I I wanna be careful and not compare what's happening uh, right now to enslavement, but it is important to understand that 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 legacy of treatment and building the economy of North America on our backs continues, right? That is absolutely still part of what is happening for my people. So, you see the school to prison pipeline.
1: Right? Oh, yeah, see- I just watched that documentary, uh, 13th.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was right? Just incredible. Yeah.
0: So, you know, private, you know, private corporations are making money again over the not enslavement, although there is forced labor in prisons. And oh, yeah. so one could argue, right, oh, yeah. that it's, yeah, yeah. Um, you see, um, you see that we are forced to live certain places, denied loans. I mean, the economic. I, I was just at a conference, uh, the Bali Shift Capital Summit, and the the quote was: "Although people of color will be the majority of the United States by something like 2023, in 50 years we will have zero black folks will have zero dollars of family wealth, right? Wow. And but we're still cons- we still are in this country. We're still having to buy and consume goods. We're still a lot of the service provision right so we're still the engine of e- economics in some ways certainly latino people and asian people like it's not only black folks but what i can speak to is black folks and so we still we're still kind of the engine the economic engine of this country in a lot of ways and so the, so that's what i mean when i talk about pride and awe the fact that uh, i mean in some ways i could if i were being really dramatic the fact that we can still walk down the street that we can still hold our heads high the fact that you know all of that is amazing survivorship. Mm. And then of course that would be, that's only focusing on the negative. It's not looking at the kind of the beauty that's been created. <clears throat> right. Like, I mean, if we look at the ways that we contribute to art and music and popular culture, we're, we have less access um, to kind of intellectual pursuits in this country. We're kind of pigeonholed into athletics and arts. And that's beautiful because we have a lot to contribute there, but a lot of our intellectual um, uh, contributions are taken or mm. co-opted. Right. Mm. So, uh, and, and yet we still keep going. And yet uh, for me, Black folks are still the happiest people to be around, are still, <laughs> <laughs> are still the, the people I laugh the most with, are still uh, the folks that I understand the most spiritually from, um, are still uh, the places where I see infinite and variety forms of beauty. And so that kind of pride and awe, right, um, I get that. I get that because I know what we survived and I know what we are surviving and that's just accessible to me at any day of the week. And I think that for me, that's a gift. It's not being grateful for, um, anything that's happening. It's, uh, recognizing a gift, a gift of what has happened, even though I would not ever want that for any people. Yeah.
1: Right. And of course that, that brutal historic context isn't over right like you were saying when slavery is over it isn't over when the legal structures suddenly say it's not over the impacts of that just like I was talking about just because colonialization is over doesn't mean that within my family colonialization isn't practiced on a daily basis upon each other and and so uh, you know that kind of leads us into this second question of like well what is the legacy of that in terms of like what's the legacy of that brutality of course there's the survivorship but you were also talking about you, you know, like how that plays out within how, right. how, the, how your, how the, how the history of your ancestors plays out in the day to day of, you know, being a person of right. color in the United States or.
0: Let me give you an exact example. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, two weeks ago there was a threat at my son's school. Something was written on the bathroom stall. Uh, about um, you know tomorrow going to shoot up the school, right? And of course, school shootings are massive problem here in the states, right? They're happening all of the time. We just had another active shooter in a hospital yesterday. So, uh, the school contacted everyone uh, and did a great job. They were beautiful. There was an increased police presence, which, of course, as a black person in America, I've conflict with. Right. Like, so on one hand, it's like, yeah, great. Absolutely. Want more presence. And, and also, I don't know that I want more presence around my young black boy anyway. So but, <laughs>
1: not sure but, I feel safer right now.
0: Right. In, in some ways I did. In some ways I was like, wait a second. Uh, and yeah. so uh, the school handled it beautifully, sent out emails, kind of ongoing updates. What happened the next day was half of the parents chose not to send their kids to school. Half of the parents chose not to. And Tim, I didn't even consider not sending my kid to school. Like it never occurred to me not to send my kid to school. He was worried. We talked about it. We, um, kind of made a plan-ish. Um, you know, and part of it was the school had sent out saying, you know, this does not seem to be a credible threat. Right. We are going to increase presence, but you know, if you're going to shoot up a school, likely you're not going to put a note on the bathroom stall the day before saying you're going to do it. Right. That's not so, you know, I mean, it's not that it wasn't on my mind, but half of the school didn't show up. And I thought to myself, oh, I bet the half that did were black and poor and, um, and it's, these are high schoolers. They could have stayed home by themselves. It wasn't a question of having a parent at home, although economics do have something to do with it. I think there is a level of risk I am aware of for my child every day right. that I live with Right. that white parents don't. And yeah. so when they, and when they ex- experienced some risk to their children, their automatic response, which seems normal, right, is like to, to remove that risk. And I think for me, part of the day, I was just pissed off all day. I'm like, oh, great. You guys get to decide when your kids are at risk and not. Like, and so that's the legacy of brutality I'm talking about. Like right. my child as a young black boy walking down the street is far more at risk than most and than many other children. And so that's a legacy of brutality. That plays out in my parenting. Sometimes it makes me... Overly cautious, right? And some, you know, it makes me have a talk with him about how to act around police. These are, these are family dinner table discussions. It makes me have conversations with my boy that you will probably never have with yours, right? So about authority and how he looks and how he has to be with women, right? Right. Um, As a black man. So so it permeates every bit of it. And it, so there's like this kind of this piece around wanting to protect our boys and keeping them young and, or, and and trying to provide some cocoon to keep them young and also to prepare them to face what's out in the world, which brings fear and anxiety into a family. So that, right, that impacts the family. I think, you know, you can look up for you can look up forever the impact of uh, generational trauma and enslavement on right. uh, Black hearing right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, what tends to happen many times is when you are brutalized, you in turn brutalize others. And of course, in the family is the place where that happens. So I think there's lots of legacy. um, But then there, and I just like, and I just want to keep saying, and then there's also like. The brilliance that comes from a diamond being crushed so hard right, also can make you shine. And so that's also true. I think there's also, uh, at least in my in of one experience, right, the difference between my family who is white and my family who is black is like there's nothing you can do to get thrown out of the black family. Not one thing, not one thing you can do to get (laughs) thrown out of that family. Like we're here, we're here, be here, come on back, Uh, which is quite different from my white family. So that would be the legacy feel like i'm does that make sense yeah makes total sense okay. yeah yeah
1: so um uh thanks tuesday this is lovely it's brilliant just brilliant to yeah. hear you talk it through and and uh yeah and um okay. so uh, so take me into this piece around because you were pointing pointing to you know you i couldn't trace my family and our family above back to robert oh the Root. right right and oh, so right. And like, and that's just like a huge part. And and I just want to, you know, there's things that you're saying that echo in my life as well, in terms of like, uh, if you're raised in brutality, you end up perpetuating brutality and, you know, that plays out within family systems. And, 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 but, but there's, there's something about what you're saying. uh, um, Like, like some understand, I mean, for me, like I'm a complete history nut too. Right. And so it's like that, Mm -hmm. that understanding of the historical context of my people, you know, and, yeah. uh, and 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 luckily enough, because I'm from the ruling classes, we, you know we can actually trace that line back, right yeah because our, because our people were written about, right our yeah. family was written about. and so um so what's it t- just tell me a little bit about hmm. what it's what it's like not to have like a historical context to your family, to your nationhood, to your uh, c- kind of like cultural, uh, identity, like it, it's, it's unimaginable to me. Do, do you know what I mean? Because because right. it, it's such a formative yeah. piece of my identity. And, um, so I just yeah. love you to bring me into that and help me see it and feel it a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think I first want to say that a lot of black folks in this country have done a lot of work to, refine and reclaim yeah, uh, their roots. And so, so it's not when I speak from this experience of me, I want to be really clear. I've not done that work. Uh. Um, and it might change my answer. Had I done this work? Mm. My experience of it is that, um, that, that's a big, like gaping wound to be taken from your land where you have your indigeneity and to be transplanted and not allowed to reconnect, either with your people, right? So lots of different peoples from Africa were taken. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily that you know you were with your people mm-hmm. when you came over here. Um, so it's it was like a, a wholesale cutting off from our roots, and uh, I think that that's I think that that's a wound. And then not only a wholesale cutting off from our roots, but also. Um, an active disallowing of us to connect with the land here, right? So you'll, and you still see that um, in lots of places. Like there's this, this uh, organization called Outdoor Afro uh, that's about reconnecting Black folks with nature mm. because we need that, right? We need that. And that was not allowed through slavery and kind of actively discouraged, right? So you can't learn the land, you could escape. Right? You can't learn the land. The land gives you something, right? Being on the land gives you something. And so that kind of empowerment was not allowed. And then actively, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, there was just a lot. There's just a lot. I mean, now you could just go on and on about like how we were kept out of um, spaces that were white only or that were incredibly unfriendly to black folks. So you felt in danger being in nature or you couldn't travel across the country because it wasn't safe to stay in hotels. So you couldn't have access to the national parks. I mean, there's just a lot that's been done to cut us off even from this land and there's an active reclaiming of that. That feels like a big part of my practice is actively reclaiming the land mm. that I'm on. Um, and to so that, so that is really rooted. I, it's hard for me to say what, what is the impact? I don't, I think that we make, I think that our ancestors made really beautiful do right. And they brought over what they could and they kept the practices that they could. And that wound is still alive, um, and still active. And so what does it do? Sometimes it makes me really angry, um, that that was taken from me, that, that on my paternal grandmother's side, I can get you back to a person who was enslaved in South Carolina. I can get you back no further as if my only legacy, my only ancestry are enslaved people. Right. you know, like yeah. as if we just Wow. Popped up
1: wow. then wow.
0: as enslaved people. Yeah. And you, I mean, like, you can feel it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You can feel what that would do, what that would do about what you know about yourself. And so there's this huge, and I think that as a culture, pretty much we've been like, okay, yeah, that's who we were and have been. And so there's huge pride in that that feels amazing. And there's huge loss in not knowing what came before. Yeah. 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 It could make me tearful sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of that was just lost, like just knowing. It just feels a little like that's, I mean, just like a lost piece. And so I really appreciate people who have gone back and tried to reclaim and And I also appreciate my African friends who will tell me about Africa. Even, you know, because it's not like it's, I'm not, I'm not, I am not going to be able to find out where I came from. I mean, you know, I did that 23andMe, but, (laughs) but I, you know, like it's, it's great. It's great to hear my friends who are African tell me a little bit about the, you know, tell me a little bit about the continent and the country they come from and not it be just Africa. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So there's lots of reclaiming for me. Reclaiming is through the land here, like my own relationship with nature and then my relationships with folks who are maybe well with elders and um, with folks who are a little bit closer to know a bit about that.
1: Even without that kind of like historical capacity to track your ancestors beyond a certain date, like do you ever feel them? Do you know what I mean? So I just want to say that, like, I I, I mean, I have a historical capacity to track my ancestors, but then there's the, I have a, I have a, I have a feeling of my ancestors sometimes. And, and, uh, and like, I never forget um, when I was doing work with Chris in Chris Corrigan in Hawaii. And uh, we were meeting with this elder in a hula and, uh, and and, uh, one of the, and he was talking about like, don't come here. And, Kind of like connect to the indigenous culture here. He's like, go find your own. You know, mm. and uh, yeah. someone uh, from you know European origin put their hand up and said, "Well, what if your indigenous culture was wiped out 1500 years ago?" You know, and uh, and I, and I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting question." You know, and mm. and, and the uh, and the elder just like burst out laughing, <laughs> burst out laughing, and he's, uh-huh. and he said, "Go light a fire, go hum a tune." It's closer than you think.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and uh, yeah. and so there's, I, I don't know, there's times where I can just feel my ancestors. And so I'm just wondering if, like, like, like despite the lack of written historical mm-hmm. context, you mm-hmm. actually, you, you feel a lineage that goes back further. I'm just interested.
0: Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that that's why, I mean, and when I say that, why that pride and awe and understanding of even as our families can at times, and not all families course, brutal to each other, that is, that pride and awe and that understanding is automatically accessible to me. And I think that that is something about ancestry, feeling it in my blood, where I come from, mm. um, having some of that and, and, and yeah, I think we could frame it as generational trauma. And so I'll wait to look at it, but also I just think, um, you know, our friend Pawa talks about blood memory Mm -hmm. and I do feel like there's some blood memory, right. That's just completely available to me more so as I get older. Um, but I have no, and, and certainly in some of the journaling and visualizations that I do, my ancestors are present. Like, and it's not like me imagining them. It's not, I mean, they are there with me. Um, I can feel their presence. I can receive their messages. I can um, I can understand myself as a culmination of them. Um, and that just, as I get older and do more spiritual practices, becomes more and more accessible. It's just like, it's right over my shoulder. They are right here. I may call them at any time. Um, and, but I've had an interesting, that I wanted to tell you about, I have, I've had an interesting little bit of a turning of a corner uh, recently. And that was, of course, feeling all of this pride and all, blah, you know, talked about this incessantly now. Um, there has been a sense that has really shored me up at times, uh, when life has felt hard or even when I just want to like really understand and have gratitude for my life, I remember both their sacrifice and what they experienced and um, and I can feel grateful to be in this time and to be of their lineage. I can feel that right. Um, right. and it pushes me on. And I didn't realize until recently, there was a bit of a hint of obligation there, right? This has been done for you. This has been done. It's a very Christian way of thinking, right? This has been done. This has been suffered so you don't have to. Mm. Um, And in some ways, that's been incredibly helpful. It's allowed me to grab joy in life. It's allowed me to have a full life. Uh, But very recently, I was like, oh, even that little bit of obligation feels like it is not to my liberation, mm. and so I've started to think about uh, there is no obligation. <laughs> I'm going to sound a little bit like Muhammad Ali. I'm going to rhyme. I felt I've started to um, like see myself as like the culmination mm. of them, and not an obligation to them, mm. which has been even has been even more freeing. I can be a joyful culmination that takes responsibility right so it's not that there's no obligation for my people and our work for sure right like so equity at the center of our work like i feel like i have an obligation well to all people but certainly to to my people but there was just a little tiny bit of heaviness in that obligation that recently i was like i actually don't have to carry that i can see myself as a culmination without the obligation and trust trust myself without obligation to do what's right for my people like I don't know how to say it it feels like a little nuance
1: you're saying it beautifully I mean uh, I mean as much as I'm able to understand it I feel like I'm receiving it Mm. so I don't please don't feel like you aren't finding good words
0: good because it's just like it's I mean like it's like new like last weekend I I was like oh I had no idea that that obligation I was feeling had a little bit of weight to it And Certainly. I'm actually not in this life to have that weight. I am in this life to, to dance and to be joyful and to make change in that way. Um, that doesn't have me any less responsible, right. right? It's just not with the weight of that obligation. So I've been thinking, oh, what does it mean to be a culmination of my ancestors? Right.
1: Yeah. Tuesday, thank you
0: just amazing
1: amazing to hear you kind of like talk so uh honestly and uh i don't truthfully isn't quite the right word but it's the word that's coming to me Mm. uh, about your life and your experience and your ancestors is there anything you want to say to like just like anything you want to like say just to like bring that to a close before we move into kind of naming our our song and a poem and
0: what would I say to, I think, I think I am so grateful that I get to so easily experience the gift of my ancestors, that I get to feel myself as their culmination. Um, And so I think I want to leave with just, huge amounts of gratitude. Like I hope people are hearing my gratitude. Um, And I hope that that infuses my work and our work. Um, And I hope I can stand strong in that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say.
1: Well, I would say gratitude and strength are two pillars of your work, mate, just from someone who's lucky enough to stand beside you in it.
0: Mm. thank you Fred
1: mm-hmm. mm. so it was my turn to choose a song and then your turn to read a poem
0: that's right, right
1: so, the, so the, the song this week is by a band called Family of Aliens <laughs> <coughs>
0: About right. Mm-hmm.
1: And the song <laughs> and the song is "Family of Aliens." It's from there. I think it's the, I think it's a 2018 album, and I just discovered them a couple of weeks ago, as I want to do. And uh, I hope you folks enjoy it. And I'm sure Mark's playing the track over it right now. And of course, you can find it on our podcast playlist. So over to you. Do you want to take us through a poem and then we'll we'll, uh, send folks on their way for another two weeks?
0: That that sounds great. So I'm going to read one of my very favorite poems ever. It's called Thanks by W.S. Merwin. And it feels right today because of the gratitude that I'm feeling even in the midst of all of the hard things we talked about, right? Even in the midst of kind of this hard legacy and a hard current reality for so many of, uh, so many of us. So I just love this poem. So it's called thanks by W S Merwin. Listen, with the night falling, we are saying, thank you. We are stopping on the bridges to bow from the railings, We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water, thanking it, standing by the windows, looking out in our directions. Back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging, after funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you. In doorways and in the backs of cars and in elevators. Remembering wars and the police at the door and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you. In the banks, we are saying thank you. In the faces of the officials and the rich, of all who will never change, we go on saying thank you. Thank you. With the animals dying around us, taking our feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. Thank you. We are saying and waving, dark though it is. It's what we got, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we have. It's gratitude. Mm-hmm. All right, that is it for another episode of Find the Outside the Podcast. It is. Thank you for joining us. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe. You can subscribe in any of the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast just search for find the outside the podcast and you'll find us our
1: episodes come out every tuesday um uh this episode was edited and produced by mark coffin at sound good studio the theme music was for found the outside podcast is by gary if you want to check out our music don't forget you can go to find the outside the podcast and it's on uh, spotify on a playlist it's pretty awesome. That's It's right. chock-a-block full of awesome tunes now, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I put it, I put it on the other day when I was driving, and I was like, yeah, this is Did brilliant. you? Yes, dude. It was brilliant.
0: I like it. I, well, good. Okay, so it's an awesome playlist, if we do say so ourselves. Mm-hmm. Links. Also, you can find any of the links to the resources we mentioned during the show in the show notes for the podcast over at findtheoutside.com forward slash podcast. You can drop us a line at podcast at Find The Outside. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Take care, folks.